Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is May 19th. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at DGasper24. Matt is at MKEMatt13. And we are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com and your hosts here of the Cold Brew Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow, subscribe, rate podcast, uh, give it five stars, hopefully. Maybe not one stars uh, reviews. If that's your opinion, maybe you can just not leave that review and just, <laughs> just move on. <laughs> uh, but anyways, welcome to the podcast. Um, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers, they got an off day today, so we're not doing this during the middle of a game. Um, so that is certainly certainly helpful. But... Um, Matt, I was, you know, since there was no brewer game today, I'm like, hmm, what should I do with my evening in the meantime? Because, you know, typically, you yeah. know, come home from work and, you know, you watch a brewer game. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's just kind of how the timing works out. And it's and it's great. But there's no game today. So what do I do? So I have MILB TV so I can stream all the minor league games. So I'm like, all right, let's let's find one of the brewers minor league affiliates because they're playing. So I turn on the Biloxi Shuckers against the Mississippi Braves. And the first inning that I'm watching it, Joey Weimer comes up and Joey Weimer does Joey Weimer things. <laughs> and he hits a mammoth home run to left center. And I'm like, yep, this sounds about right. It's uh, kind of ridiculous what he's gotten to. He just He's coming off a uh, Player of the Week award. Um, so it was the first one for any Brewers minor leaguer this season so far. He hit five home runs last week. Um, so, yes, that is, in fact, Joey Weimer things is hitting bombs. And so, of course, he's uh, back on it this week and hits one again. So just keep clobbering on the A's and their affiliates. I mean, it feels good to that they're even in the spirit down in the minor leagues. But, man, he we're seeing him at AAA this year, right? Like, do you agree? Oh, yeah. At, at some point this year, I mean, and if he keeps in like this, I mean, this was his 10th home run mm-hmm. of the season. And we're a month and a half in, you know, yeah. like it is um, it has been incredible to see that, that he's been able to continue this dominance that he really kind of kicked off in August of last year. It was just like, is this just a hot stretch or, you know, is this legit? And, you know, now he's in the proving grounds of double A. And he is doing as good as ever, and he is proving that this is legit. Uh, so, unfortunately for our good friend of the podcast, Garrett Green, <laughs> the play-by-play voice of the Biloxi Shuckers, I'm, I don't think Joey Weimer is going to be there too much longer for him to uh, enjoy watching, you know, un- unfortunately for him to say. Yeah, probably not, but uh, Biloxi's been good again this year, and so he's got he's still got plenty of talent to continue watching once Weimer moves on to Nashville. Uh, Felix Valerio is having a hell of a year there again. Uh, Tristan, Tristan Lutz had a homer tonight. That was the nice. Yeah. He, he shows every once in a while. Thomas Dillard has actually been one that's gotten a little hot recently. I know he's been uh, hitting bombs. Uh, in fact, I think uh, Weimer... Valerio and Dillard, maybe not in that order, were the ones who went back to back to back the other night, right? Was it those um, three, or was it a no? It, it was it was Valerio. Well, it could have been uh, Reitz actually. Yeah, yeah, Reitz was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, and there's another name, Jackson Reitz, uh, guy out of nowhere. Got, yeah, exactly. Little cup of tea in the major leagues. He uh, has played some games with the Nationals in the past actually, uh, but signed him to a minor league contract and. Yeah, so he's hitting bombs down double A as well. So, Garrett, 
you've got plenty to watch going forward at the very yeah. least. Uh, plus, Luke Weaver does move on. Plus, there's still Sal Freelich and Garrett yeah. Mitchell. Exactly. So, so. And even though Garrett Mitchell is currently on the IL uh, down in Biloxi, I uh, saw that the other day. They have not provided a reason why. Now, in the minor leagues, teams aren't required to say why a player's on the IL, and the Brewers, being the uh, close to the best team that they are, have chosen not to uh, tell anyone why uh, Weimer is on the IL. So we don't know what it is. Um, I've tried to find answers, and it's everywhere I go, it's just like, nope, we got no idea. So even the people that would know, you'd mm-hmm. think, be like, no, I, I got no clue. So it, it's uh, it's tough there. But Joey Weimer is doing Joey Weimer things. And, yeah, his eventual promotion may stink for Garrett down there. But it'll be a great boost for our other friend of the podcast, Jeff Hem, yeah. over in Nashville. Uh, I'm sure he would enjoy it very much, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So it's a... Uh, been fun down there on the farm you know looking at these guys yeah i mean the brewers i want to say it was a couple weeks ago i had seen the brewers minor league system as a whole was like top five top six or something like that in terms of combined winning percentage among all the minor league systems so really across the board there's been plenty of fun players to watch we've gone over kind of some of the guys obviously in nashville because uh, we got to spend some time down there uh, and talk about some of their players specifically but up in wisconsin you've got uh, tristan peters you got tyler blacks uh, a couple of pitchers in tj shook and brandon canar just killing it up there and then carolina has been super fun this year because it's so much of that team is international prospects with their first shot at affiliated ball. So obviously your boy Hedbert is down yeah. there, but Jackson Churio has been mashing. He's now up at high A, correct? He just got – no, he's still Chur- – No, Churio's still in low A. Yeah, he is still in low A. Um, Ryan Moore uh, just Mendez, went up to high A. Yes, that's right. Um, Henry Mendez is there. Um, Eduardo Garcia is there. Um, Jeremy Jeremy Vargas. Jeremy Vargas, yeah, like just a, a ton of fun guys to watch. All, really, all like I said, all four levels, just great, great baseball being played. So if you don't have your MILB.TV package, go get it. If you already have MLB TV, it's only 25 bucks to add it on. Otherwise, if you yeah. don't, it's I think it's 50 still, which isn't really honestly that bad. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a good investment. Yeah, Carolina. They also got Steven Cruz, who they just uh, added mm-hmm. down there. He dominated in the DSL last year, so I'm very, I was very excited to see him. His yeah. debut um, start went three innings, eight Ks. So you know, <laughs> no hits, uh, no one hit, mm-hmm. one hit allowed, uh, eight Ks in three innings. So, ouch. Uh, another name to keep an eye on down there. So. Yeah, and that is uh, that is our farm report uh, here on the <laughs> Cold Brew Podcast. But uh, perhaps a little bit more, you know, kind of converging, you know, the the farm and the major league team. We do have some news there from the uh, AAA side. Alec Bettinger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this just was announced on Thursday here. Alec Bettinger pitched in ten in- ten innings last year for the Brewers, was outrighted off of the forty man roster. Uh, he was already put through on waivers. No one claimed him, and 
you know, now he's just off the 40 man and he stays in AAA Nashville. So Matt, uh, Alec Bettinger, you know, is kind of a sort of a, a prospect, you know, wasn't really a, a high powered arm or, or a highly touted prospect. Um, but when the, when the system was weak, he kind of, you know, him and Dylan Fowle kind of pushed themselves up there uh, in the system rankings. But, you know, he made his debut last year, wasn't super impressive, um, then struggled in his first few outings this year. And now he's off the 40 man. But it's odd to see them do this without any immediate need to. You know, if they needed to call someone up and clear a 40 man spot to to add someone to the roster, I get it, but this was an off day. There was no corresponding transaction. It's just we're putting them on waivers and taking them off the 40 man. Right. And yeah, the Brewers already had a technically two open 40 man spots. One of them is from McCutcheon going on COVID IL. You remove them from the 40 man. He'll obviously gain that spot back on Friday. I believe they said he's coming. Uh, so tech really in reality, it's one open spot, but that's still one open spot. You, you had that flexibility if you needed it. Um, so to just be outriding him, is it, it is a little surprising because, like you said, like generally there is a corresponding move that goes with that. You have a plan of something to do, and you know why just have random open spots? Um, it, it's it's not surprising that Bettinger was the guy. Actually, I had him listed as one of my top three candidates to lose their 40-man spot at the beginning of the year, along with Dylan File and Corey Ray, who actually thought would have been more of a candidate to he currently has an OPS of a whopping 427 oh. yes OPS of 427 that, right now oh um, man and the Brewers are just fine with outfielders so I would have thought it would have been him so that almost leads yeah. you to believe that maybe maybe there is something in the works here I don't know that it had to be specifically a pitcher that had to come off of the 40 man yeah, I think what like when it comes to that, Alec Bettinger was a tenth round pick. You know what mm-hmm. they got out of him, you know, pushing himself up into prospect status was really just kind of gravy. Like they weren't really expecting anything there. Just kind of whatever they got is, you know, okay, cool, whatever. Corey Ray was the number five overall pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, they put a lot on him. Uh, they were expecting a lot out of him and DFAing him. Um, you know, before really even getting a chance to see him at the big league level. Um, it's just, I, I think that's a little too much at the moment for them to try to do. I mean, he, his value is pretty much nothing right mm-hmm. now. You know, it, you know, it, it would make sense to get him off the 40 man or really just kind of get him out of the organization. You know, he, I, I think he needs a change of scenery for sure, mm-hmm. but it's tough for the Brewers to give up on that because he was the number five overall pick. I mean, he was supposed to be the crown jewel of this rebuild. You know, he was the highest pick that they had in the draft since Mark Rogers, I think in 2004. Yeah. Um, or Ryan Braun was also number five overall, wasn't he? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Braun was five overall. Okay. So yeah. Highest pick since Ryan Braun. Um, yeah. Cause I think Rogers was five and Ryan Braun was five. Ricky Weeks was second overall. Um, but like yeah, like that that was your highest first round pick in a very long time. And there was a lot expected of him. So just kind of DFAing him or, or getting him off the roster outright in, in May, um, 
you know, just kind of, I, I think that's going to be a tough pill for the Brewers to swallow, but I think at some point they're going to need to swallow it because mm. it's just not there with Corey Ray. It, it's just no. not, it, it makes the most sense, but being that fifth overall pick, it's tough to cut, to cut ties. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it just the, with the timing of it all, yes, Corey Ray, it, yes, it, it, it's harder to want to do that with him than an Alec Bettinger. You're right, because mm-hmm. he's a, you know, was a draft pick that was farther down the board. But at the same time, there were still guys that you had on the 40 man because you thought at some point, you know, they might be contributors. And who's to say that, you know, Alec Bettinger's still working his way back from injury this year. He's only had a couple of appearances so far. So who's to say that, you know, with all of the pitching needs that the Brewers have, I mean, they're already starting to uh, play the crazy cap shuffle game, but with relievers uh, at the big league level in AAA, who's to say that his name couldn't have potentially been thrown in the mix just to keep some of the players' uh, amount of options down? Because we ha- you have that five-option limit now this season. Like, who knows that maybe just one time calling him up couldn't have helped that. So it's still, in that sense... It is a little strange that they just up and did it kind of out of nowhere right now. Um, yeah, I get the comparison to Ray and you know why you would do one or the other. It's still just kind of weird. And yeah. like I said, no uh, corresponding move. We'll see if there is something in the works or if they just really wanted to keep their options open. We know that the Brewers do sometimes play the waiver wire during the season. So mm-hmm. maybe they're waiting to see if someone pops out there from another team. And then now you've got a couple of open spots potentially to work with. Maybe that's why. I I don't know, but we'll, I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, it's uh, only, only time will tell there. And, I mean, when when it was announced that the Brewers had uh, outrighted Bettinger, I saw a lot of people uh, on Twitter that were pushing for, oh, my God, this means Ethan Small and <laughs> Bryce Terang uh, mm-hmm. are going to be coming up. and. We had a little bit of a of a false start this week uh, yeah. with Ethan Small. Uh, you know, it was it was announced. You know, he was supposed to start the other day, and then all of a sudden, like an hour or two before first pitch, Ethan Small has been scratched. It's like, oh, oh my goodness, what's going on? Like, typically this means you know he's coming up. You know, he's been so good this year, and you know, Josh Hader was unavailable that mm-hmm. that day against uh against the Braves and. It's like, okay, he, like Hater is a family emergency or something, and uh, all of a sudden Ethan Small gets scratched. It's like, hmm, what's going on? And it turns out he had the flu. Yeah, <laughs> sure did. Rather disappointing. Um, but, yeah, that we had a little bit of a, little bit of a, oh, my God, is it finally happening there with uh, Ethan Small? But it, it's not looking like it's happening quite yet. No, and, you know, there were questions that we had, you know, as we were kind of talking through it in our writer's chat of what would they even have him do? They have been pretty steadfast in talking about how they really do not want him to come up as a reliever. They, If Small comes up, if they can at all make it possible, they want him to be a starter. And nothing's wrong with any of our starters right now. And outside of Aaron Ashby's last start, all his other starts this year had been good. So you would think that he gets first crack at that six-man rotation, which they're going to need over these coming days. They play, I had it at 
19 games in 18 days, but then I saw someone wrote it was 18 and 70, so maybe I just counted wrong. Either way, it's a lot of freaking games coming up without an off day in between, so they're going to need that six-man, and Aaron Ashby has shown that he's earned that spot, so you don't assume Ethan Small's coming up for that. He's not coming up for the bullpen. There's just It's just not the right time for him yet. Of course, that's where all our minds went as soon as yeah. we saw that he was scratched from a start. So, I mean, it was it was fun to speculate for a little while, but uh, in the end, it it the timing just wouldn't have quite been right anyway. Yeah, and I mean, when it comes to to that, like, I mean, with, with what he's been doing, he's been a starter entirely down there in Nashville. So, you know, there was potentially, you know, maybe one of the Brewers starters like was hurt and we didn't know about it, but the Brewers knew. Um, and they were going to be announcing it, you know, some point, you know, soon, like, oh, you know, someone on their day off or something like something popped up after the game mm-hmm. and they're going to need another starter. It's like, OK, yeah, like I, I could see that. But, you know, who was it? You know, Freddie seemed perfectly fine. You know, he was a guy who pitched the day before. Like, you know, it was, it was kind of tough to see a fit there. And when it comes to putting small in the bullpen, if they're going to do that, they're going to give him some adjustment time working out of the bullpen in triple A. Yeah. That's what they did with um, Aaron Ashby last year. They, you know, they put him in the bullpen for a month or so before they called him up. Um, that's what they did with Brandon Woodruff and you know Corbin Burns and Josh Hader and pretty much all their other top starting pitching prospects. They put him in the bullpen first, you know, and they gave him some time in AAA to develop a bullpen routine because being going from the starting rotation to the bullpen, completely different type of daily routine mm-hmm. you have to go through. So they're going to give them that kind of adjustment period in AAA before they do it. Now, do I think they will do that with Small at some point? Probably. Again, unless, you know, knock on wood here, you know, a injury pops up to the rotation and they have to call up someone to help start. Uh, then I could see him, you know, coming up and, and filling that void, obviously. But if they get to June, July uh, and that void hasn't opened up, I could very well see them pushing him to the bullpen down in Nashville, you know, get him a month or so in the in the bullpen role, and then they call him up to help out down the stretch. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that too. Um, but you're right. Like you, right now, you want to keep him ready as a starter because you never know when that could happen. One guy goes down, yeah, maybe Ashby backfills that spot. What if a second guy goes down? What if one guy goes down, but you have a bunch of games in a row again and you need to expand a six-man rotation that's right where small slots in perfectly that's the perfect time for him to come in like like you said i think at some point you just can't put it off any longer but until you get to that point he needs to just be ready for a start because if if not him and let's say they do end up starting to work him as a reliever down there because they think oh, that's what we're going to try and uh, do with him for now till the rest of the year. And then one of your guys goes down, who are you adding to the rotation or who are you adding along with Ashby if you're at six-man rotation? I mean, yeah, Dylan File, like we mentioned, he's on the 40-man. Luis Perdomo is in the bullpen. You could stretch him out. You could add Josh Lindblom back to the 40 man or something like that back in the rotation right you know you could combo start but like that's where you're at right now that's why ethan small is such a valuable commodity down there ready to start and be called upon if needed 
it might be the case that he is never needed and the scenario comes up, like you said, where, you know what, we just got to bring him up now. He's too good. He's got to be on a major league roster. Maybe that's what happens. But for now, it makes all the sense in the world to continue having him stretched out as a starter and just be ready. Just keep doing what you're doing and your time will come. Yeah, it's uh, we still got a little bit of time to wait there with uh, Ethan Small. And there was also some thought this week that Bryce Terang may end up getting a call up. And now this is obviously connected to uh, the Willie Adamas injury. Um, Willie Adamas hurt his ankle on a slide in home plate on Sunday against the Marlins, slid in awkwardly on a sack fly, rolled over his ankle there, looked really painful. Um, you know, he seemed to you know, be getting better, didn't seem to be too serious. But the Brewers ended up putting him on the injured list, but he should be back relatively soon, I'm guessing based on what he's been saying. Um, so, you know, with Adamas going on the IL, I mean, you have Luis Arias to take over at shortstop, but it's like, you know, if this was going to be an extended absence for Adamas, perfect time to call up Terang, uh, mm-hmm. give him give him the chance because he's been hitting the ball well in Nashville this year and he can handle shortstop pretty well. So you could have him at short, keep Urias at third, and keep Jace Peterson off the damn field, <laughs> and <laughs> and actually help this team win some ball games. Um, I, I remember saying uh, during that extra innings win where Keston Hero walked it off, I'm like. I'm like, Jace Peterson, if you walk it off right here, I will not say anything bad about you for a week. <laughs> and he flew out to center to end the inning. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to keep on saying bad things about you. But he scored a base and scored the winning or stole a base and scored the winning run early or tying run, I should say, earlier True. in the game, like a couple of yeah. years before that. So he he uh, he, he put okay, in his work. You're not totally awful. And, but, uh, you know, completely yeah. unproductive but no it's uh, yeah this that's that that's the most of a compliment still, I'm, I'm gonna be mustering here okay all right i i i feel like i've accomplished something even squeezing that out yeah <laughs> not gonna lie. um but no well, with your yeah with adamas i think had i was we were kind of talking about this a little bit again in the chat and i think i had kind of settled on if Adamus were going to see an absence of three weeks or longer, maybe that's when we would have possibly seen Bryce Terang up. I think it would have had to have been somewhat extended because, as we've kind of spoken about, and I know your opinion is that they're not going to bring up Terang unless he's going to get some pretty significant playing time. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to bring him up as a bench bat. Um, or a you know late inning defensive addition or something. That's not that's not how they want his debut to go. And so he was going to need to get a decent amount of playing time if he were going to come up. So I think it's a good sign then for Willie Adamas that it wasn't Terang who was added to the roster, that it was Keston Hira who was brought back up, because that's what makes you think that it's going to be a relatively minimal absence. And in talking to Adamas after the game, uh, you know, he had mentioned that he he definitely did not want to go on the IL. He was hoping he'd be able to come back relatively quickly. You have to imagine that the time frame is like just like right on the borderline of, you know what, we we'd rather have that extra guy on the roster just in case. And, you know, what, it worked out pretty well for us the other night or the yeah. other day, I should say. But it won't be that long that he's out. I like the fact that they asked him, you know, what's it like being on the L? And he just said, boring. 
<laughs> like he just he yeah. wants to play. That's that's him. That's his personality. He wants to be out there. He wants to be energetic. Um, instead, he's on the bench eating lollipops right now. Yeah, he's got some got some tootsie pops, cherry flavored ones. It's like where like where can we get these? Um, yeah, Adamus I think is a little bit. Adamus uh, I think is a lot of it in the uh, Carlos Gomez mold mm-hmm. of just uh, wanting to be out there and just bringing a whole bunch of energy and. The trainers and the team have to almost uh, save him from himself uh, in some respects. Because like, he may be like, yeah, I can be out there. I'll be fine. And they're just like, no, dude, look at your ankle. Your ankle's messed up. We're not, you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, He can try all he wants, but it's like, dude, look at your ankle, man. It's, it's not happening. Um, so, yeah, now he's just going to bother the crap out of everybody in that dugout. <laughs> uh, he's going to bother Craig Council, the trainers. Uh, everyone else I saw like they were, they were showing him on TV and he was just chatting with uh, uh, Omar Narvaez and uh, Freddie Peralta, I think. And they're just sitting there laughing and chatting in the dog. I was like, man, I would love to be able to listen to this conversation right mm-hmm. now. Like it looks like so much fun. And then Freddie was doing a, an interview uh, on TV and yes. Willie's throwing seeds and whatnot at him. Just like, this is, of course it is. I was like, Oh, you know, a bunch of the guys are thrown at him. Then they show a, a further outlook. I'm like, oh, it's just Willie Adamas. Of course it is. <laughs> I loved back in the day. It was like a back when we had like Hernan Perez and Aguilar and Mancini yeah. and those guys that they would throw literal just bubble gum, like just actual pieces bubble of bubble gum, gum seeds at each other. The double bubble. Um, oh my god, that was hilarious. Like, geez, you like, you're really uh, building up the ammo for this. Yeah, go over put the bucket on his small. head. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Good times, man. Then Jesus Aguilar has to go and hit like two bombs off us when we face him down in Miami. Well, like I said, his uh, his Twitter handle is still uh, J Aguilar MKE. So he probably just thinks he's still hitting them for us. He thinks he's doing us a favor. And you know what? He's a great guy. I can totally see him wanting to do that. But you play for the Marlins now. Yeah. Very, very sad. I wish he was still here. Yeah. Um, although I do love Rowdy, but um, yeah, it's just it's not quite the same. No. Um, oh, well, anyways. Um, so, yeah, Willie Thomas is out. Uh, Bryce Trang, yeah, again, not yet uh, for him, but he's been hitting the ball extremely well um, down there in Nashville, uh, which we got to see firsthand a couple of weeks ago. We went five for five uh, one day. That was that was fun to see, uh, even yeah. though one of those hits may have been because an outfielder lost the ball in the lights. Uh, but, you know, Details. it still counts. It yeah. still counts as a hit. So that's that's the important thing. Um, as we were talking there about uh, Keston Hira coming back up, so Damas goes on the IL. Keston Hira gets called up uh, in his place because Hira went down and he hit like three home runs uh, within a week. And uh, he did extremely well for Nashville. So he comes back up and. He was 0 for 4 to start the day, you know, as, as we went into extra innings there, and they kept on battling and keeping on going. And uh, we got to the 11th inning. I'm like, okay, well, here is leading off. I do not feel confident about this because I did not. I almost put a tweet out there just saying Keston should just bunt here because Keston's a good <laughs> bunter. He is, you know, but like, like he's bunted pretty well before in the past. I'm like, let's just have Keston bunt. We can get Peterson over to third and just try to get something with Caratini and Wong where we can, you know, bring some runs across. And I almost put that out, but I'm just like, eh, nah. Two pitches later, 
he hits a home run off the scoreboard. <laughs> I was like, well, thank God I didn't tell him to punt. <laughs> this is why I don't manage the Brewers and Craig Council does. Yeah. Um, it was we'll it was exposed a le- for that one. Yeah, that would that would not have been good. So it's a good thing I did not delete or I did not hit send on that tweet. Um, if you if you think of all the dumb things I've tweeted out there, just think of all the stuff that I almost tweeted. Uh, think about that for a second. Um, but yeah, I was so happy for Keston, mm-hmm. man, to to see him get that home run and uh, come through in a big moment there. I really want him to succeed. Um, it just it's been so tough for him. But and I mean coming coming back up, apparently he was feeling sick as a dog. Um, you know, part of that flu going through the Nashville Sounds right now. Uh, he had that down there, and then he comes back up, and he's still feeling a little bit sick. And he goes 0 for 4 in his first day back, and everyone's like, oh, no, not this again. And then he comes through in a big moment, man. I was so happy for him. Yeah, and so crazy that, like you said, like he had had the flu recently. And they kind of had mentioned, or I I saw Adam McKelvey alluded to the fact that, you know, maybe that was why they delayed a little bit that transaction to put Willie Adamas out there. Or on the IL because they wanted Keston here in his place, but he was sick and wasn't quite ready to come up. And um, he ends up going, like you said, 0 for 4 to start that. I'm glad it. W- I was glad to see that you know only one of those was a strikeout, so he was at least putting contact on the ball. Um, but goes 0 for 4 and then comes up in a big spot and just crushes one. And I remember thinking when I when I watched it live, I'm like, he's not like just going crazy about this because you're you think back to the game from 2019 i think with the one with against the cubs with sad theo epstein up in the press box uh, <laughs> yes. when they went uh, i think back to back to win it and uh, Kesson hero was one of those i believe i think he was the winning one um wasn't he wasn't it i, Braun I thought and that was braun and yelich <sighs> or was that against the cardinals that might have been the card. I, I swear yeah, here. I the, swear the Cardinal, here the Cardinals. Yeah, no, Hira's only other walk-off home run in his career was against the Cubs. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think that was back-to-back homers. Okay. Um, the back-to-back ones was Yelich and Braun against the Cardinals. Got it. Okay. Unlike but, back-to-back pitches. Man, that was electric. Yeah. God, that was. Yeah. I need to watch that highlight again. But, like, it, there, there's there, there's a reason there's that gif of Hira rounding first and just, like, going nuts because, you know – he when he has big hits like that, you know, he's energized and he's going around the bases and like, why isn't he more excited than this? And we find out later it's he's got the flu. Like, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. But so glad he was able to come up and do that. And he hopefully will get to play more often than not until, you know, the move is made. I assume once Adamas comes back that or potentially when um McCutcheon is added back to the roster. You don't know. Uh, maybe here it goes back down then. But until he does, you know, hopefully he does at least get a little bit of playing time because that's what he needed. That's what we talked about. He needed some some regular playing time, some regular at bats to kind of get going. And so we we want nothing but the best for him. We would rather if he ends up figuring it out and becoming successful that he does it in a Brewers uniform than anything. So. Always, always great to see someone like that have that kind of moment. And always oh, it's such a moment because he just crushed that thing. Just sent it into space. Off the scoreboard. Lo- I love off the scoreboard 
bombs. Just the best. Because then oh, you yeah. hear boom in the background. Yeah. You're the bang off the metal. God, so much fun. Rowdy does that a bunch. Uh, mm-hmm. Yelich used to do that a bunch. Not as much anymore. But uh, still, it's uh, it was a very good sight to see. And a very hard-fought win. Honestly, when the Brewers went down 4 nothing and, and Burns gave up those two home runs, I had I had really kind of been like, it's over. You know, like, they, I don't see any way they can come back from this. Um, but then somehow they got into the bullpen. Bullpen for the Braves just kind of broke down there. And really, when they brought in Jesse Chavez to for that next inning, for the 10th and 11th there, I'm like, Jesse Chavez kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> Especially against us. I feel, I feel like we can hit a walk-off off this dude, you know? Yeah. So, well, and sure enough, we did. And I actually posted a tweet earlier today. Um, I looked up the Brewers' numbers with runners in scoring position. They're really good. That game obviously helped them get better. But as of the time I looked it up earlier today, the Brewers were sixth in the league with batting average with runners in scoring position and fourth in OPS. Something wow. that's been kind of the I was told this offense sucked. Right? Especially with runners in scoring position. And I mean... Let's be honest, in the past, they have not been good at yeah, times with true. runners in scoring position, but that is not the case. Um, a, another Twitter user had pointed out that they don't have enough opportunities with runners in scoring position, and that was true. I looked that up afterwards, yeah. and they were 18th in the league in played appearances with runners in scoring position. And now as some games have been played tonight, that may actually be even a little bit lower. So they need to get more runners to second base and third base. But when they do, they've actually been pretty generally successful in getting them home. So that could be a good sign as the offense starts to pick up and they generally get more guys on base, you know, odds are they're going to get them home. Yeah. And that would certainly be a, a welcome sight for Corbin Burns, who has been begging <laughs> for run support uh, for the entire season. Uh, and really even last year, uh, he struggled with run support, but it's been uh, it's been much worse this year. But then when he then when he actually has a bad game, I, I say bad game. He went six innings, gave up four runs. Yeah. Um, it just kind of shows how the standards have changed here. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to be a, a soup look good tonight. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So when he when he has an off day, you know, then the offense you know is able to pick it up late, and you know he doesn't get the win you know which is you know pitcher wins or or whatever anyways hmm. uh Trevor Kelly does who was just called up um to the to the big league roster to the 40 man roster he got a spot uh first of all after, after pitching lights out for the sounds uh, hmm. 13 appearances 0.69 ERA very nice and he comes up takes 40 man roster spot that was vacated by JC Mejia who was suspended yep. this week because he got popped for taking roids. Stanazolol, mm-hmm. I believe it was called. And this is not the Pedro Severino uh, infertility drug uh, that he got caught with. This is just kind of the typical you got caught taking steroids, trying to improve yourself kind of drug and suspension. So he joins Pedro Severino on the uh, suspended list. Uh, second one this season to get popped for PEDs. And I tell you what, man, I mean, this didn't happen long after he got called up to the big leagues. And when he was up in the big leagues, he did not perform that well. No, he sure so didn't. The, I don't think Stanislaw was helping. 
No, I mean, his velocity was good. <laughs> yeah. But now we know why. Couldn't locate it worth a damn, but... Nope, he sure couldn't, uh, which is just one of always the weirdest things with... Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's there are pitchers who, you know, take performance enhancers, but it, it's one of those things like, well, you, you, you still got to find the zone, and no steroids going to help you do that. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, it just... I don't know. Like it's it's one of those we knew we were going to see him at one point because he was on the forty man. We finally get to see him. He kind of was who we thought he was. I know there was some hope maybe things would be a little bit different because in his little bit of time he got at the big leagues with the now Guardians. Um, he primarily started actually. He did a little bit of both, but he had more starts than relief appearances. So thought was like, well, maybe out of the bullpen, the Brewers can coax something out of him. But still, it was I don't I don't think anyone was expecting he was going to set the world on fire. And he certainly didn't. So now he's gone. And I don't think it, it, it's it ne- not nearly as big a hit as the Pedro Severino one was. I think a lot of us were looking forward to see what he was going to be able to do. He was performing really well offensively in the spring, although that does happen to a lot of people. Um, but we at least hoped like, oh, he's going to create a good tandem with Narvaez and let's see what can happen. And then we never actually got to see him in a regular season game. So I think maybe that's what at least makes that one sting a little bit more is there's a little bit of what might have been with him. Whereas with Mejia, we saw it and it wasn't that impressive. And yeah, it was only a tiny bit, but I don't think anyone's heartbroken over that one. I will say with Trevor Kelly and congrats to him actually on picking up his first major league win out of that outing, which was awesome. Uh, I think that's yet another example showing that, Ethan Small isn't just going to come up for nothing because that could have been him right there. Yeah. If the Brewers were willing to just stick him in the bullpen or they're not, it, or it could have been Luke Barker, oh. but it wasn't. It wasn't hashtag free Luke Barker. Yep. I mean, but. granted Luke, uh, Trevor Kelly had very, very, very good numbers. So that's true. In this case, I do understand him coming up and he has major league experience. So true. Like I yeah. get going that route, but damn it. Luke Barker. Just one time. We want, you. we want you here. Just do the right thing. Brewers. And Hey, we just opened up another roster spot. Just say hey, there we go. Yeah. Hashtag uh, Luke Barker. Absolutely. He, uh, he should get one, you know, even even if, even if it's not a long time, like just, you know, call him up for a Give little a bit, a cup of it. coffee, mm-hmm. give him a game or two or something. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's uh, yeah, the bullpen depth is definitely a lot stronger than the catching depth was. You know, you, you can handle a you know, blow like losing Mejia. I mean, Mejia wasn't really a big part of the bullpen plans anyways. You know, he spent the first part of the season down in triple A, you know, gets called up because uh Perdomo, uh, no, not Perdomo, Gustave, Gustave yeah, was hurt. Hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he comes up and then, you know, now he goes back down and, or, or now he basically just kind of goes away. So they got a couple other options they can rotate through, but it is one less option uh, for them to look at now. Uh, and that's going to be important as they get to the trade deadline. Yes, we are kind of reaching the point of early trade deadline conversations and 
you know, typically the Brewers are going to be in the market for at least one bullpen arm, and it's probably going to be shaping up to be that same way again uh, this year. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the trade deadline, what the Brewers might or might not do. And we've already had a rumor come mm-hmm. out, a trade rumor about who the Brewers might be interested in and where they might go. Uh, this came out this last week as uh, in Ken Rosenthal's column at The Athletic. And he was saying that the Brewers would be a good fit for Royals outfielder Andrew Benatendi. Uh, Benatendi was with the Red Sox for a number of years. Um, and, you know, he's over in Kansas City now after a trade. And uh, he's hitting pretty well. I think he's hitting over 300 last time mm-hmm. I checked on the season. Uh, he's an excellent left fielder. Yep. And he's... Uh, a right-handed bat, I believe, or left-handed. is he left-handed? Left-handed, left-handed bat. Um, it was left field, yeah. Um, so left-handed bats, uh, and that could uh, obviously be of interest to the Brewers, who American Family Field is very friendly to left-handed hitters. So Andrew Benatendi, Matt, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's a rental, so it's not going to cost you too much. And the more I've looked into this, Matt, I really kind of like the idea of this, and it sounds like something the Brewers would do. It does, absolutely. Um, you, you have to figure outfield is something they'll at the very least explore. Um, you know, Lorenzo Kane offensively hasn't quite you know caught on yet this season. Tyrone Taylor, he's had his moments, but you look at his numbers – and they're definitely not jumping off the page at you quite yet. Um, with him, he's another one of those, you know, who knows what he could do with regular playing time. But you have to earn the regular playing time, even if you're him. So, you know, I can I can definitely see that with the DH. You can kind of you've got your interchangeable parts there, and you can kind of rotate people around. Um, and like you said, he's done really well. He's actually he's um, already at a .9 uh, baseball WAR. He is just barely over 300 in batting average. If if anything, I would say I wish they would go towards an option who's primarily good against lefties for the same reason that they brought Andrew McCutcheon in, right, is because the Brewers always struggle against lefties. And Benintendi, as a left-handed hitter himself, he's been okay this year. He's, He's hitting 250 against them, which is, it's all right. Um, his OPS is 6.27, certainly not as good as his 8.19 against righties. So he definitely, you know, is one who plays to expected left-handed splits. Um, so I would hope that they would go for something like that, but he definitely would help the team, certainly. And so he gives you more options. And I, I do think outfield is something they'll look at. So it it is a move that would make sense. And the Royals, you know, they're... They've been for the last kind of few years in this position of trying to, you know, build up, bring up in more prospects and kind of keep building up a young team. And they're looking to the future. And so it would be one of those where they'd be willing to take, you know, I'm sure a prospect or two get out from under his contract. You know, it's one of those classic. He sets up for a perfect trade deadline move. He's absolutely going to be one of those candidates coming from bad team a bad team that wants prospects. It's a move that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. It's free agent at the end of the year. They know they're not going to resign him. You know, get a, a mid-level prospect or two for him. 
uh, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah, Ben Attendee, I mean, fitting in with the Brewers, um, you know, he, he won a gold glove last mm-hmm. year in the outfield. So, you know, the Brewers have obviously placed, placed a premium on defense. That's why they brought in uh, Kane. Um, that's why they brought in Wong. Um, that's why, you know, Hunter Renfro is of so much value to them because of his cannon for a throwing arm. Um, so they really do love, you know, strong defense. You know, that's a big part of their run prevention unit um, to go along with a dominant pitching staff. So that would really help shore up the outfield. You could have Ben Attendee play left field with uh, righties on the mound um, for, for the opposing team, which pushes Yelich to being the DH primarily. Um, and then you could have, you know, whenever they face lefties, you can have McCutcheon in there at DH, um, put Yelich out in left field, or you could put McCutcheon in left field and Yelich at DH still. It doesn't matter, whichever you want to do. Um, but I, I think this is this will be a way to maximize the defense, you know, improve the defense, give yourself the best opportunities for matchups, um, to, to play the best defense possible out there, and really kind of add to this group. I mean, you know, when it comes to adding someone to, to help hit lefties i mean that's what mccutcheon was brought in for you know obviously we had we haven't had a chance to see him in the last week or so as he's been dealing with covid but you know now that he's going to be on the men like that's going to be his job so it's like you know maybe having someone come on in to help face righties as well because you're going to face righties more often than lefties right um so bringing him in it improves the defense you know it it improves your your overall rotation um, you know, that way, instead of pushing as many guys like uh, Jace Peterson into the lineup or, or whatever else, you're getting Ben Attendee and, and McCutcheon and, and Yelich in there uh, through that rotation instead of one of the other bench guys. Uh, I think that would really help improve the team. So, like, the more I've looked into it, the more, like, I'm sold. This is, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Brewers should do it. But granted, there's also probably going to be a lot of teams calling on Ben Attendee because he's a free agent at the end of the year, the Royals are going to be sellers. It, it makes a lot of sense, but he's someone that I, I could definitely see the Brewers going after, even, even though at first glance, it may not make much sense because it's like, we already have a left fielder who's under a massive contract. Yeah. And who is a lefty? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But again, it, it makes all the sense in the world, but he, like you said, he, he, he kind of makes sense for a lot of teams. Um, but it never hurts to have more lefties in the lineup. Perfect point. You do face more righties than lefties. So as nice as it is to have guys who excel against left-handed pitchers, who the Brewers definitely struggle against. We saw that again in the Braves series for sure. Um, fact of the matter is you face more right-handers anyway. So yeah, yeah absolutely makes sense on paper. Um, could definitely see it happening, but yeah, could could see it happening for a lot of teams. So you wonder what kind of a bidding war might start up uh, close to the deadline with that one. Yeah, Rosenthal did mention the Mets as a potential suitor um, of for, yeah, of course. But luckily, this isn't just free agent money that they can just throw at them uh, for this trade. It's it's got to be prospects, and you know the the Brewers I think are able to compete with the Mets uh, on that front. Mm. So. We'll see what happens, but kind of an overall look. I mean, when it, when it comes to team needs, uh, when it, when we're getting to the deadline here, I mean, we're just over two months out uh, from the deadline. Uh, we're about a month and a half into the regular season. So what do the Brewers need? Um, you know, the rotation, still solid, still looking good. 
the bullpen could probably use another arm or so, but like nothing major. Like you don't need to trade for a closer or anything like that. You know, just another arm, arm or two to help um, with the depth there, like they did last year with Daniel Norris and John Curtis, who neither of whom worked <laughs> out well at all. Um, that was that was bad. But uh, anyways, uh, p- potentially another arm or two there. And then on the offense, where are they going to go? I mean, they got catcher pretty well set between Caratini and Narvaez. Mm. Um, third base, I mean, you're going to have Urias once Adamas comes back. Uh, Adamas, Wong, um, you're you're not replacing Wong. I know he's been off to a bit of a slow start, but he's been turning it around lately. And, mm. you know, even still, he's a solid leadoff guy, and he does bring excellent defense at second, even though it's been a little bit down this year. Um, first base, you know, you got Telez, you know, he's kind of slowed down a bit. You know, do they try for another upgrade there? Do they stick with them? Um, you still got Hira hanging around. Do they give Hira shots? Um, and maybe too early to tell there. Outfield, you know, yeah, we've talked about Benatendi. That could be an option. You know, center field, you know, wh- what do you really kind of do there? Kane and Taylor haven't really been hitting that, haven't been hitting well. Um, but Kane is making a lot of money. He's not going anywhere, at least not this season. He's going to finish out his contract here. Mm-hmm. Tyrone Taylor, you know, are, are you really going to like, you know, take him out of the, out of the rotation? You know, they, they could, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, you're going to, are you going to make a trade just to replace your fourth outfielder? Right. Um, you know, it doesn't seem super likely, um, you know, right field is set, you know, left field. I mean, you do have Yelich. I mean, you could add Ben to the mix and, make things up, but really like where is there their room to fit in someone or, or to make an upgrade at a position, you know, first base, I think is still in question a little bit, even though Rowdy's been doing well so far this year. I think that's the only position really kind of still in, in major question. Right. Yeah. I, that's about the only thing I can think of is, you know, do they want some extra, backup for a corner infield, something like that. Um, maybe we get to a point where, you know, like Jace Peterson, he's up, he's down. He kind of, you, you he, he never quite goes away, but maybe at some point he, the Brewers decide, you know, he's not the right guy. Maybe Brasso, you know, he's been great as a pinch hitter, actually off the bench. He, he's been awesome. Um, it, when he's gotten his starts, that's when it's been a little less so. But, you know, do the Brewers decide we want someone a little more reliable, a little bit more of a veteran, and Brasso goes down to AAA? I don't know. But that's that's where you're talking about just, like, you know, minor moves. If, if, you're, if you're saying who are we going to get at the deadline to be our, you know, second-to-last guy off the bench or something, those aren't your earth-shattering type moves. I, I think bullpen, once again, yeah, last year it didn't go great. Norris sucked, and... Curtis got hurt and that's Escobar was good. Escobar was good. I'm just talking bullpen right now. Um, Those two moves did not work out. You try it again and see if you can get some guys in who really make a difference. I should say Hunter Strickland. They did bring him in and that move definitely did work. Um, But if you look at that bullpen, you've got your three guys at the end who obviously is super reliable in Hayer, Devin Williams and Brad Boxberger. Trevor got, that is one I don't think we saw coming this year. He's been very, very good. Brent Suter, you've still got him. 
He's going to be here. He's, for the most part, solid. If anything, yeah. he's right down the middle of the road solid. And then you've got Aaron Ashby, who kind of goes back and forth. Past that, it's a lot of question marks. And it would be really nice to... Uh, Hobie Milner, I should say, he's he has done well for the most part mm-hmm. this year as well. Um, but is, is that who you want to be relying on down the stretch? As And then past him... Is Luis Perdomo going to turn around and look like what we saw in the spring? Will Gustave be someone who can be relied on at any point? Um, is Trevor Kelly someone who can make a difference? We've got Jake Cousins coming back uh, at some point, probably in July. Will he look like himself? Will Justin Topa look like himself once he finally gets a chance to play again? There's a lot of question marks in that bullpen, and you want to go into the postseason with as few bullpen question marks as possible because you want to know that in any scenario and you get a lot of real tough scenarios when it comes to late game pitching decisions, you want to hope that in any scenario, anyone you bring in, you've got at least a medium level of confidence of this guy's going to get the job done, especially if a series extends several games. Um, that's something it's hard to imagine that there David Stearns won't be looking real closely at all his options come trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks at all of his options on everything. That's how he yeah. always ends up with so many dang outfielders. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and some, that's some how you can end up with Benintendi as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think when it comes to, you know, the trade deadline for most contenders, Bullpen arms are really kind of, you know, on everyone's list. You know, you could always use another bullpen arm, another trusted, reliable uh, bullpen guy to, to help out. You can never have enough there. So I think that, I think that's the only thing guaranteed to be on the list. Um, I mean, when it comes to other positions, you know, maybe keep a watch on first base. What happens with Telez and Hira? Um, you know, keep a watch on the outfield and what happens with Kane and, and Taylor if they are really able to get it going. Um, but other than that, I don't see too many spots that, that seem like obvious, like, oh, my God, they need to get someone to fill this hole. Um, it's it's pretty limited as for right now. But, I mean, as always, injuries could pop up. Yeah. Knock on wood that they don't. Um, but it's... You know, that where it stands right now, those are really kind of the only spots I could see them upgrading. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But uh, there's plenty of variables, injuries, poor performance, all kinds of things can happen between now and then. Or, or maybe it's Stearns just goes crazy with a trade that no one saw coming. Heck, that's how we get Willie Adamas in the first place. Juan Soto. Juan Soto. <laughs> Yeah, there's a report sure. out this week that the Nationals might consider trading Juan Soto because they are not having success signing him to a contract extension, and that's mostly because Soto's looking for like $500 million. And, um, I mean, he's certainly worth it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't blame him for, blame them for – I don't blame him for asking for it. Um, but if they can't – if they feel like they can't sign him to an extension – they feel like they might as well trade him now while he still has, I think, like three years or so left of team control where you get maximum, maximum value. Like, if you're getting Soto, you're selling the farm. Like, everybody in the farm. Yeah. Um, it'd be amazing. I don't foresee the Brewers doing that, but uh, you never know. 
So he, David Stearns has surprised us before. I didn't foresee him trading for Christian Yelich, yet there he was. Um, true. But you never know. Yeah, he's already he's already up to 1.3. He, he must have the quietest 1.3 war after uh, this one's fan. That's because he's on the Nationals. It's true. Yes, it is very true. Hey, but I feel do like. You, do you he, remember? Like, go ahead. I was going to say, do you remember when Nelson Cruz uh, signed with the Nationals yeah. this offseason? He was like, oh, well, they've promised that they're going to make uh, some more big moves uh, to really help make this team competitive. So I was excited for that. So I signed here. <laughs> and then they did absolutely nothing. And they are still an absolutely trash team. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Nelson, they lied to you, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, they sure did. He, who, there's someone on the friends that he's, or someone on the team he's good friends with, and I think that helped his decision. I can't remember. I think he is. just wanted to play with Soto. That might, that, and who would? Because they're both Let's from the Dominican Republic. Right. Uh, uh, maybe the same hometown. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, I think he wanted to to bat behind Soto, and then it's yeah. like, oh, okay, I sign here, and then they trade Soto, and it's like, well, what the what the hell, guys? Yeah. Like. They're, they're already talking about Cruz being a trade deadline candidate himself, and he's not gotten off to a fast start at all. I know he traditionally starts off a little slow, but he has started off really slow this yeah. season. Um, I mean, he has like 41, yet, 42. Well, right. Yeah, it was bound to catch up to him eventually. Um, yet he's still being talked about as a trade candidate. Um, so, I mean, he's he's there now. Probably won't be long, though, and hey, like you said, maybe that's the best for him because he wouldn't be getting to play with Soto for very long anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. I'd love Soto, but yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't have my hopes too high. That would cost us Joey Weimer. I mean, yeah, who wants among to do that? Other things. Good guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely among other things, but um, yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, Soto deserves better things anyway. He does. He does. Deserves to play in an outfield with Christian Yelich and Hunter Renfro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. With uh, the best pitching staff in baseball. Yeah. You know? Come on over. Come on. I don't know how before it is. It's we'll not his decision, it. unfortunately. But yeah, uh, That's true. And he sure as hell isn't signing here as a free agent. Uh, no. Not with his asking price. No. Could you? Uh, I mean, Scott, first of all, Scott Boris is his agent. Could uh, you imagine... Um, you know, Scott Boris calls Brewers. Hey, would you guys be interested in Juan Soto? It's like, oh yeah, sure. Would uh, he be interested in a one-year deal at a, <laughs> uh, at a pretty decent value? We'll give no, him no, no, he would not. Oh well, we'll let us we'll, know if you reconsider. We'll stretch the pocketbooks and we'll we'll give him one year for how about thirteen? How's that sound? <sighs> God, we're hey hey. We're, we're making an exception. We're going all yeah. the way up to 13 for this. You should really take it. More like one year 50. Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, yes. Yeah. Like, if you if you want to actually take him on a one-year deal, like, that AAV is going to go way up. Could you imagine he just signs here, takes $50 million for one season, and then just, like, heads back to the free agent market at, like, 27? God. Uh, we, but that, we know it's that would Steven. be the, that would be the epitome of David Stearns just taking all of his chips and pushing them to the center of the table on that season. 
Yeah. We're like, all right, we are going all in for the World Series on this year. You and Yali. We're grabbing do Soto it, for it. one year. We're spending all that we got. Yeah, no, work. it's going to be Stephen Cohen. I'm sure he's just he's got the check written already. He's just waiting to fill in the amount. He's got it signed. It's like it's a blank check. Fill out how much yeah. you want. Yeah, no no doubt. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I will admit, though, I did get to see earlier today they uh, walked off the Cardinals and couldn't have <laughs> a better team. Pete Alonzo hit a just absolute friggin' moonshot to left. To Polar left. Bear. It was great. My God. But, yep, to watch the sad Cardinals walk off the field as they lost three of four to the Mets. It was a good day. It was a good day. Yeah. You know who would be really fun to see in a Brewers uniform? Pete Alonzo. My God. That, that first of all, that would continue the Brewers uh, type of first baseman. Sure would. Uh, big and uh, classically strong, I'll say. Um, and hits for power. I mean, and I mean, come on, the nickname, the polar bear, like that's perfect for Milwaukee. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd love it. It's not going to happen, but I'd yeah. love it. But it'd be fun. Uh, all right. That's going to do it uh, for this edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. Again, be sure to uh, subscribe and uh, you know follow and, and rate the podcast here. Give us five stars if you enjoyed what you're listening to. If you didn't enjoy it, well, I'm sorry, and please don't leave a review then. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at dgasper24. You can follow Matt at nkmatt. 13. This has been another episode of the Cold Group Podcast. We'll see you next time.